0: Welcome to Monday Morning Murder in the News with Alyssa Carroll. Good morning, heathens, and happy Murder in the News Monday. We are gathered here today because the rest of the regular news, say it with me, is just hot, scary garbage. And you know you'd be rather hearing me and my bullshit anyway, right? So I collect news articles, along with articles sent to me by you, my beloveds, and others. And I actually received quite a few articles this week. So thank you very much, guys. You know who you are. You know who you are. So thank you so much for sending those to me. And as I always say, unlike my regular podcast that I write out in its entirety before I record... You're welcome. This is unscripted, and I don't read the articles past the headlines so that you and I can react together. So let's go. So our first one comes from BlackEnterprise.com, and the title reads, 215 bodies found behind a Mississippi jail. Families are outraged. And I don't blame them. And then in quotes, it says, they just threw him out like trash, said the family of one of the buried. So some 215 bodies were found in a pauper's cemetery in Raymond, Mississippi. Located just outside of Jackson, the graves are marked with metal rods and numbers. The gravesite is intended for people who have no known family, but according to relatives, they were never contacted by officials. Civil rights attorney Ben Crump is representing the families of Mario Moore, Dexter Wade, and Jonathan Hankins, who were all buried in the cemetery without the knowledge of their families. Quote, it's like they just threw him out like trash, just like they did with the others. Gretchen Hankins, the mother of Jonathan Hankins, told Fox affiliate WBLT, Activist Arthur Reed, who works with Crump, recently visited the gravesite. Reed stated that the deceased are put in body bags and placed in shallow graves. The activist described his visit in an interview with Fox Twenty Six Isaiah Carey. Quote, "The stench from the bodies are drawing buzzards. It's so inhumane for anybody to do anyone like that, Isaiah. It's just horrible," he said. Wade was hit and killed by a police vehicle. Although the victim had an identification, Wade's family was not notified of his death. The family thought he was missing until they recently learned that he was buried in a pauper's cemetery. Reverend Hosea Hines, the senior pastor of Christ Tabernacle Church and the national leader for a New Day Coalition of Equity and Black America, spoke to the Chicago Crusader and said he empathized with the families. Quote, It really saddens my heart to know that their relatives went that long, some over a year, not knowing if their loved ones were dead or alive, and then coming to the realization that they had been buried in a pauper's grave behind a jailhouse, he said. He went on to point out that these oversights did not occur under the watch of the current Jackson Police Chief Joseph Wade. According to Hines, the police chief has implemented a new death notification policy that will provide relatives with a notification and details about their loved one's death. Crump and his co-counsel, Dennis Sweet, expressed their commitment to getting justice for the deceased and their families. Quote, People all across America are scratching their heads in disbelief about what's happening in Jackson, Mississippi, with this pauper's graveyard, said Crump during a press conference quote, it went from talking about the water that was non-existent or contaminated to now we're talking about the graveyard. What is going on in Jackson, Mississippi? End quote. That is the end of the article. So my thing is, is that there are 215 bodies. Okay. So first and foremost, 215 bodies is an astronomical number. I think we can all agree with, with that, right? 215 people just buried in shallow graves behind a, what was it, a jailhouse or a courthouse? Located just outside of Jackson. I'm skimming. There's a grave site. But the point is, is that it's, and if one of them had identification out of 215, how many more had identification? Why are they dead? Especially the guy that got hit and killed by a police car and had identification why were the families not notified I feel like it's just like a big ugly huge cover-up and I want to know why this just seems completely unacceptable to me maybe it's just me but I think it's weird I think it's a little sus that's what I think So our next article comes from Explore814.com and the title reads, Debt, Deception, and Death. The Murderous Path from Pittsburgh to a Clarion Area Camper. So Clarion County, Pennsylvania. A sinister crime unfolded in the serene outskirts of Clarion County over the holiday season as the body of George Dabe, a Pittsburgh contractor, was discovered in a decrepit camper in Licking Township. Love that. Not the dead body, the name of the town. According to a criminal complaint filed on December 30th, 2023, in Allegheny County Court, 57-year-old George Dabe of Murraysville, Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, an imposing figure at 6'2 and approximately 250 pounds, fell victim to a calculated plot devised by his business partner, 41-year-old Jeremy Fisher of Coropolis, Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, and two accomplices, 20-year-old Brayden Elliott and Fisher's, no, this was Fisher's nephew, and employee, and 58-year-old William or Bill Fortuna. So according to the complaint, the case unraveled when Dave's significant other, Kendra Remick, reported him missing on December 27th. Using the Find My iPhone app linked to their shared AT&T cell phone plan, she traced his final movements, leading investigators to the trailhead of a path that led to the rural property where his body was discovered on December 29th in an abandoned camper. As investigators reportedly pieced together the crime, they uncovered a series of events that were meticulously planned. According to the complaint, Allegheny County police detectives say the motive behind his murder was rooted in a financial dispute. Fisher owed Daib a staggering, well, almost half a million dollars, money that Daib had loaned for the purchase of construction equipment. On December 22nd, Fisher told Daib that his aunt, quote, Penny would wire the full amount into his bank account and that the money would land in the account on December 26th. When the day arrived, Remick noted that no wire transfers had been received. Upset, Daib went to confront Fisher according to the complaint. And also according to the complaint, Fisher allegedly enlisted Elliot and Fortuna in his plot to murder Daib. Elliot Fisher's nephew was reportedly promised a diesel truck for being a triggerman. Fortuna allegedly supplied the gun, a thirty caliber revolver. Elliot told the police that his uncle had asked him for help the night before, which he declined. The following morning, Fisher allegedly pressured Elliot. After the third ask, he allegedly agreed. Well, it only took three times? I mean, you're all but assured to get caught, and it only took three times? I mean, I'd say he didn't have to twist his arm very much, huh? The complaint states that Fisher reportedly planned the attack so it would happen inside his pickup truck. He removed the headrest of the front passenger seat and then covered the seat with a thick blanket. According to the complaint, at 10.17 a.m. on December 27th, Daeb was seen on security camera footage getting into the front passenger seat of Fisher's truck at a Sitgo gas station on Broadhead Road in Coraopolis. Seated behind him was Elliot, wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers hoodie and light blue jeans. The trio drove off. Unbeknownst to Daeb, Fortuna reportedly followed behind in his pickup. It was noted in the complaint that Fortuna's gun was tucked inside Elliot's waistband. As they drove, Elliot allegedly drew his pistol, aimed it at the back of Daeb's head, and pulled the trigger. Nothing. The gun didn't go off. Needing Fortuna's help, they stopped at a su- at another gas station in Portersville. While Deid talked on the phone and Fisher fueled up his truck, Elliot went over to Fortuna. He reportedly told police he thinks Fortuna cleaned the gun because the hammer could cock all the way back. After using the restroom inside the service station, he reportedly walked back outside and took his seat inside Fisher's truck. Back on the road, seeing Mercer Bridge just ahead, Fisher allegedly texted NOW to Elliot, who delayed slightly, then allegedly placed the barrel of the gun behind Dayeb's head and pulled the trigger. This time, the gun went off. Elliot then reached forward, reclined Dayeb's seat, and put his hood up over his head, according to the complaint. The two trucks then traveled to an industrial area in Butler. They parked their trucks behind a dumpster. Elliot allegedly reached into the front passenger seat and retrieved Daeb's phone and keys. He gave them to Fisher, who put the phone into a gray Caterpillar work glove. Daeb's phone was disabled at 11.57 a.m. The complaint continues. So they picked him up, 10.17 He was dead not quite two hours later. With his task nearly completed, police say Fisher allegedly instructed Elliot to drive his truck up to, quote, the camp and property in Licking Township, Clarion County, that is known to both Fisher and Elliot. Elliot typed camp into his Maps app and made the 40-minute drive. Once there, he allegedly pulled Dab's body from Fisher's truck, placed it inside a decrepit camping trailer sitting on the property and covered the body with cushions and pillows. As Elliot attempted to leave, he faced another problem. Fisher's truck was stuck in the mud. Unable to remove it, he called Fortuna, who came to his rescue. Having no luck getting the truck out of the mud, the duo duo—I apologize allegedly decided to leave it there until the morning. Fortuna, noticing the blanket still inside Fisher's truck, reportedly buried it near the camper, according to the complaint. Fortuna then reportedly drove Elliot back to Fisher's Moon Township home. While there, Elliot showered and gave his soiled clothes to Fortuna. Fisher instructed him to delete his text and the address of the camp from his phone, the complaint indicates. About half an hour later, Kennedy Township police discovered Dayab's truck and were informed that he was missing and endangered. And at this point, the investigation began. The following morning, Elliot and Fortuna allegedly returned to the Licking Township camp and were successful in removing Fisher's truck from the mud. They reportedly took both trucks to a Harrisville truck wash, then returned Fisher's truck to his house. This is super detailed. I didn't realize it was this long. Following the alleged digital trail left by Daeb Fisher, Elliot and Fortuna, it didn't take long for police to make their way to the camp where they discovered Daeb's body on December 29th around 4:30 p.m. <clears throat> so what day was it that they took him? I would imagine that is immaterial. On the following morning, Brayden Elliot allegedly confessed to Daeb's murder according to the complaint now. Both Elliot and Fortuna were arrested on December 30th. Fisher was picked up in Midway, Washington County. Elliot was arraigned on December 31st at 1030 a.m. in front of Magisterial District Judge Craig C. Stevens on the following charges. Here we go. Here are the charges. Criminal Homicide H1. Conspiracy Criminal Homicide Felony 1. Conspiracy Criminal Use of Communication Facility Felony 3. Conspiracy. Tamper with. Fabricate physical evidence. Misdemeanor 2. Abuse of a corpse. Misdemeanor 2. Fortuna was arraigned on December 31st at 6 p.m. in front of a different judge. The exact, it's basically the same charges. Fisher, the same charges. All three defendants are being held in the Allegheny County Jail without bail. Preliminary hearings are scheduled for January 12th. Uh, today, well, it's technically Sunday, it's the 7th, but you'll be hearing this on the 8th, so in a few days, in front of uh, Magisterial District Judge Suvin Shavik in Allegheny County Court. You all need to get some last names I can pronounce. That's beside the point. So they didn't want to pay basically half a million dollars $439,432, so they just murdered this man. That seems perfectly reasonable, right? It's not, by the way. That's called dark humor. Okay, our next article comes from WXII12.com, WXII12 News at Noon. And the title reads, Raleigh father charged with murder of year old son's death. Family said boy was beaten all over. Raleigh, North Carolina. A Raleigh man has been charged with the murder of his five year old son. Police officers on Sunday night responded to UNC Hospital in Chapel Hill where the boy was being treated. According to an arrest warrant, the boy, Carter Holloway, was abused so badly that it caused the child's brain to hemorrhage. Amir Hines, 24, was charged with felony child abuse inflicting serious bodily injury. He was later charged with murder. The five-year-old had nonverbal autism. He died at 8 11 p.m. on New Year's Day. He was nonverbal autistic and he was five years old. The family has started a GoFundMe to cover the funeral costs. Hines will be back in court on January 22nd. No bond has been set. So why did he kill him then? That's the whole article. See, this is part of the problem with me not reading them ahead of time is that I don't know how short they are, how much information we have. But regardless, this man first and foremost put his hands on a child in anger. That's, that's an automatic do not pass go. But then also a child who's nonverbal autistic. I mean, he's it, just worse than pond scum, in my opinion. Fucking leave kids alone, you know. Okay, so this one was actually sent to me by a family member. So this is going to be local to my kind of southwest Missouri area. It's from OzarksFirst.com. And I can say that that's actually a good resource. Good, a good source. And the title reads, Springfield man in court accused of keeping a woman in a shed. So coming out of Springfield, Missouri. Oh, and sidebar. I don't know how many of you, like the international listener, listeners, I'm sure are not going to know what this is, but the United States listeners, if you guys remember a television show called Live PD, there was uh, they filmed in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they filmed in what they called Green County, Missouri. They filmed in Springfield, Missouri. Springfield is like the big city that I have to go into when I have to go into the city. It's It's a drive, but I can get there. That's my closest really big city. And I would sit and watch live PD and see these cops chasing these guys on motorcycles and bodies flying off or whatever. And I'd be like, hey, I know that corner. That's the Chipotle that I eat at. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So anyway, Springfield's starting to get a little sus and Tulsa might as well be the hood at this point. I digress. A Springfield man accused of assaulting a woman and keeping her trapped in a shed has been charged with rape. He is in court today on the charge. Today is in January 4th. So Micah Robertson, 42, and no, I don't recognize him, was arrested by Springfield police on December 21st after an investigation of the attack was reported on December 10th. The woman called 911 on December 10th and told dispatchers she had been attacked and was locked in a backyard shed, quote, in a maze of trailers and campers, according to a probable cause statement in the case. The woman told police she had gone to the residence because Robinson was going to repair her car, but he dragged her into the shed where he lived and assaulted her. Court documents detail her graphic claims of attack and sexual assault, after which she called 911 when her attacker fell asleep. She said she was unable to escape from the shed that had padded walls and straps hanging from the bed. Yikes. Robertson was awakened by police but would not allow them to enter the structure. The woman told police the building was like a torture chamber— and she could not get out until police arrived and opened it from the outside. She was taken to hospital for sexual assault examination and treatment of multiple injuries. After being released from the hospital, she, quote, discreetly returned to the residence for her car, but her cat, no, and her cat, but found the pet dead and her car gone from the scene. Oh, not the cat, not the cat, not the cat. A search warrant was obtained on December 21st. Officers searched the shed and the area, collected evidence, arrested Robinson, thank God, obtained a DNA sample, and questioned him. Sort of like, I can see how this goes, right? So sort of like, why the fuck did you take her? And why would you kill the cat? The end. Uh, Robinson claimed the woman was a friend with benefits and denied attacking her, harming her cat, or having her car moved. During questioning, Robinson became enraged by the woman's rape allegation and threatened to beat her to death and have others attack her. The court document states, Well, there you go. You're gonna threaten to have her dealt with by other people, but you didn't you didn't assault her. You didn't put your hands on her. Fucking idiot. <sighs> He told detectives he should have let her freeze to death and, quote, hoped she died the most horrible death possible, end quote. Gosh, his, his, uh, him being found innocent is just on the horizon, isn't it? Robinson is next in court for a preliminary hearing on January 17th. He is being held in the Greene County Jail in lieu of a $50,000 bond. So... January 17th, I'll be in Springfield before the 17th at some point. So I tell you what I'll do, guys. I know where that jail is and I can drive right past it and I'll give it a big old bird. Is that what you'd like for me to do? Just flip him off on my way through town? Because I can do it. Um... I don't live an incredibly far distance away from where BTK is held, and most of you already know this, but those of you who don't, when I pass by there, or if the husband drives by there, we flip him off at, in his prison too every time we go by, so we representin', we representin'. Anyway, so, he killed her cat. Why was her, did he go to her, how did he get her cat? That just flew right past my head. How did he get her cat? Is she? Is, was it a cat that she took with her in her car? Or did he go to her house and kill her cat? That's horrible. It doesn't really matter anyway. (laughs) Just rambling today, I guess. So, our next article comes from 13abc.com. Title reads: Utter shock. Woman comes home to find her driveway stolen. Yes, my friends, the driveway. A Florida woman says someone stole her driveway from her house while she was at work. And I don't know how to describe this for you guys. There's a picture here. And the driveway, or at least the section of her yard that was the driveway, which is now just a very long road-shaped mud pit, is pretty... It's like... You could probably... From where... Whoever... From the photographer's point of view to where the end of the driveway is, it kind of ends in front of like a shed thing. You could probably fit like six cars back to back. You know what I mean? It's like a chunk of a distance and it's just gone. It's just a mud pit. (laughs) Orange County, Florida. In a season when most of us worry about porch pirates stealing packages, a Florida woman came home to a stunning sight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna laugh. While she was at work, someone stole her concrete driveway. (laughs) (laughs) quote, my driveway is gone, Amanda Brochu said, and she isn't exaggerating. What used to be a concrete slab outside of her house is now a patch of dirt that she didn't ask for. Someone took her driveway as she was trying to get ready for Christmas. (laughs) Did one of you need a driveway for Christmas? Come on now, fess up. She said it all started when she put her home up for sale. Strange contractors started coming by measuring her driveway. Her son counted five of them. She has since contacted law enforcement. Her doorbell camera captured a bulldozer tearing out the concrete and hauling it away. Quote, utter shock. I've never seen this before. I've never had this happen to myself or anyone in our office said, real estate agent Rocky Sanchez. Sanchez is helping this woman sell her home, right? She posted about the situation online and believes that the woman is the victim of a scam, but neither woman knows what the scam is. Quote, I had multiple people come forward saying that they've seen things like this happen, whether it be driveways, roofs, or painting. So it happens more often than we actually see it. Authorities said they are investigating, but the homeowner needs additional help. She says she just replaced the roof and made other investments and doesn't have the $10,000 she's been quoted to replace the concrete. If she doesn't fix the driveway and sell the home in the next two weeks, she'll lose out on the home she's under contract to buy down the road. Quote, no one is going to buy this. This brings down the property now, and that... Just messes it up for me and my family, she said. So the family has set up a GoFundMe account to try to raise the money to pay for a replacement driveway. That's the end of the article. And you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I am going to uh, put a link to the GoFundMe on the... Oh, wait a minute. Hang on a second. How much money did she need? $10,000. Hang on. This is... I don't script this. Oh, nope. She's made it. She's raised $13,543 raised. Yay! Congrats. I'm... Oh my god. It looks like they tore out the sidewalk to go up to her house, too. Ridiculous. Anyway, she's raised the money that she needs to get it fixed, so I don't have to share that. But regardless, who steals it? What in the world? If any of you have heard of this, taking the concrete, like literally digging up someone's concrete driveway. If you've heard of this or anything, let me know. What is that? I've never heard of that until this article. That's crazy. And it looks like that is all the articles that I have. Wow. I'm like four minutes short. It's only 26 minutes, but anyway, that's fine. Uh, So we're in 2024 now, right? So already, you know, we thought maybe 2024 would have some level of chill, right? Except it hasn't because we've got all the Jeffrey Epstein stuff going on. It's not a list. It's just names in the paperwork. So some of it has to do with uh, the Lolita plane ride to the island. And some of them are just names that were brought up, period. I know Stephen Hawking has been, his name has been thrown out. And if he is a Pedo or was enjoying that I don't know how since he could not move any part of his body, but if he were enjoying that, that is greatly disappointing to me because I was a huge Steve Hawkings fan, so if he was a disgusting pedo, I'm going to be upset uh with Cat Williams is apparently under fire for something I don't even know what the hell he did um I think somebody told me he didn't really do anything so much as. He's just talking crap about, you know, Illuminati type stuff. I don't know. We have a guy already jumping over a a judge's bench desk. And we have, what else do we have so far this year? Oh, we have Jada Pinkett Smith looking like Fat Joe lost 100 pounds. And what else was going on? This year has already just, with a bang, with that said... I want you guys to have a good week. Um, I, today being Sunday, so you'll know about this Monday, um, have a surprise podcast for you guys. It is a video podcast, but it can just be listened to if you just do the audio. So you'll be able to watch it on YouTube. You'll be able to watch it on Spotify or listen on Spotify. You can also listen on Apple, listen on Google, listen on um, Amazon music. I, my podcast is on Amazon music as well. I don't think the video portion, I don't think the video part will translate over. I'm really not sure when it comes to Amazon, but if you want to watch it, I actually did my very first interview and it went very, very well. So it's just a bonus one. Um, it's long, it's like two and a half hours long, but I put out a vote on Instagram and in on the Facebook fan page and, the just leave it long votes one. So it's two and a half hours long, so take your time if you need to. But anyway, I hope you really enjoy it. Let me know what you think about it. It's called mommy issues. I'll just leave it at that. But we're gonna we're gonna manage to get through this week, the kind of the short weeks for the corporate part those of us who, you know, work in corporate America and have the holidays off, like the holiday extra days off are kind of over now, aren't they? Bummer. But I do hope you took my advice and that you were kind to customer service people or people that work with the public, people that work weekends, people that work nights and evenings. Um, I've actually gotten some positive feedback from saying that, but it just seems kind of common sense to me that we would be kind to everybody. You know, you just absolutely should. There's so many Karens and just assholes out there that treat people like crap. And I know my people, my children, my listeners would not do that. So have a good week, guys. We're in this together. I love you guys so much. Bye.